Welcome to Lifting Leaders Podcast, where we are unleashing leader possibilities to make a better world. I'm Crystal Roberts, and together with Trisha Ryan, we're diving deeper into some of the complexities of the world's most critical challenges and exploring innovative ways of navigating through them. Through interviews with experts and leaders just like you, we're exploring what it takes to thrive as a leader today and examining new ways of thinking about how to creatively lead into a more equitable, socially responsible, and sustainable future. And the future starts now. Hey, Chance, how's it going? It's going good. Thanks for joining us on our Zoom today on the podcast. Pretty, pretty exciting. Yeah. <laughs> we only talk about you every, every week, but we don't get to see you very often. <laughs> I, know, I get to start the setup by setup. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. So one of the things we're doing today is we are talking about things that we love mm-hmm. because um, we'll be dropping this on Monday the 13th and the next day is Valentine's Day. And so we had to have Chance on, our tech guru, my son. So we had to have him on because he is one of the things that we love. Absolutely. Absolutely. Aww. (laughs) (laughs) Big heart to you. It's been a a ride so far. It's been real. Yeah. Yep. So what have you been up to? We haven't heard from you in a while on the podcast, although we know that you stay connected. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'm at CSU right now, getting my bachelor's in ecology. Um, it's my second year. It's first year in Colorado, though, so that's always, I feel like everything's new here, experiencing all the mm. Colorado seasons, and apparently we've gotten the most extremes of all of them. So oh, is that right? We got hit with the, luckily, I was back home when it was negative 26, but we, we've had a few mm. negative seven, negative 10 days here, which has wow. been interesting and fun. But yeah, I've been, it's been a lot of coffee shop studying and programming on my personal projects and applying to scholarships. And yeah, we're, we're doing all of it out here. We're the college experience, the huh? <laughs> yeah, really, with a little extra for sure. So, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a ride out here. So what, can you share with us what program you are studying in right now? Yeah, so it's called Ecosystem Science and Sustainability. Okay. Um, it's like an ecology degree. That's why I say ecology because it's a long name. Um, so pretty much the whole idea of it is it's we're learning how organisms and environments interact with each other, and then we're applying sustainable lenses to it. Um, so I'm currently like enrolled in a class that we're working on the social aspect of sustainability and understanding how like to properly conduct like interviews with um, groups of people whether that be like large communities or individuals about like sustainable and then like we apply our sustainable aspects to it so it's like okay how are you affected by the local coal fire plant or how are you affected by water pollution Um, so things like that that will evaluate so it can be anywhere from across the you know nation small states counties to across the world my Mm. professor is uh from south america and she's she's done that for quite a while and so she's i think this is her first year in uh, colorado Mm. so yeah and so we learn all about like that and then we'll also learn about like sustainable ways to look at like ecology and stuff so how like um 
how we're restoring areas that we are figuring out are more important, which pretty much the bottom line is, is that everything we get rid of was important. Mm, Um, And so uh, like restoring mangroves is a thing a few years ago, but now it's like restoring the oceans is a big thing, you know, following the snow crabs and, uh, and everything like that. And then it's like how we apply sustainability also to like human dimensions. So it's like housing and all that stuff. So it's like, Mm. how do you live with nature instead of like trying to fight it off from living with you? Yeah. Um, So there's a whole lot around that. So it's like how to like, it's pretty much how to, how to be sustainable. And then if like, you don't decide you want to be like an ecologist, you can go into almost anything else. Um, So that's where like our minors get involved where it's like, Oh, I want to get a minor in this, or I want to get a minor in that. Yeah. Um, I'm not quite sure what I want to minor in, to be honest. I know I want to continue on through grad school. Um, but that's, that's about all I know. I, I'm not really set on GIS or the human dimensions of it quite yet. I've realized I like working with, with plants, but even more so I really like working with, uh, the little microbes, which I think would be really interesting to apply to marine, uh, biology, Mm -hmm. ecology as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, we need all of it, right? And we need, you could study any aspect of the world essentially, um, and every every part of the world is touched by these issues around sustainability and climate change. Yeah, so we need we need it all. I think it's interesting, though. You know, I can remember there were a, there was a lot of interest in this when I was going to college as well, but people didn't really um, connect dots. Yeah, I didn't see it back then. I saw them get really into one thing, and they'd get so specific that it would become their one and only focus, right? Mm-hmm. Their foci, and it was yeah. um, it was difficult to figure out how to use that in the real world. They just it became a passion, but they couldn't really use it anywhere. But what you're doing, it sounds like is really kind of taking a look at almost like the puzzle and here's a piece, here's a piece, here's a piece, but eventually this mm-hmm. makes up a whole picture. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they're prepping us for right now is they call it interdisciplinary. Mm-hmm. Um and the only difficult thing about that is is it is really hard to enter a job market with something like that because mm-hmm. we're not a specialist in anything technically. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's where I think like your outside research and stuff gets into it. Like what you're talking about, like really specific things. I think one thing like specifically in like the United States we focus on is like eliminating things. Um, but a lot of things that we learn on about ours is like we're being taught to have like, yes, you apply to like your area, but also understanding that applications to a local area are by no means the yes. actual solutions to yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And so one of like the huge things we go over is like infrastructure and things like that and mm-hmm. how like it's really easy for us to be like, oh, we need to cut off all these things and then say it's against, you know, it's a bad thing for anybody in the world to be doing it when there's like countries that are still even learning to develop their economies. And yeah. so it's like, how mm-hmm. do we match our human sustainability with our ecology and with like ecosystems and with um, economies and everything else. So it's like balancing all of that. And so we get a little bit of taste of everything so that when we're making those decisions in our local communities, we're not implying that these decisions should oh. be made for larger communities. Because yeah. I think that's like yeah. something that I can has see, been really weird. I can yeah. see marketing people going nuts with this, you know, because when you're taking a look at what, what kind of stores or what kind of uh, restaurants or what kind of whatever business we need to put in this community based on, you know, sustainability, basically, based on, you know, how are we going to be using up what's here and how do we prevent that right but how do we how do we build on it um 
I know that there are a lot of businesses, you're talking about the economy, and that's that's a lot of it. You know, it's like how do businesses go in where they go in because of different factors. And, and now that could be a big deciding factor instead of it being, you know, where, where do we have the best chance of um, this McDonald's going crazy, you know, well, let's put it next to the high school, you know, or something like <laughs> that. Now you're talking about, you know, how do we, how do we make sure that we are being responsible when we put businesses in different areas and what kind of businesses need to be there and what do they need to give back in the, in the sense. Mm. I just was waxing. No, yeah. No, it's yeah. a really big thing. I think like, yeah. the other thing we, we go over and like specifically ecology is like, when to determine when public use land is like actually better used mm. as not being used. Oh, um, yeah. So even like, I mean, like parks are obviously a very good thing, but like even like, you know, people are like, oh, how do we put businesses in this like, you know, three square miles? And it's like, well, maybe the best use for that is is what it already is doing, yeah. um, is a refuge for local native wildlife. And um, like even books that I have right now are like, they go over like when you're planting a garden, make sure on the outskirts to like continually plant native species because it's, yes. it's all about restoring your local habitat. Um, so it's, it's like, not like don't plant, you know, strawberries. It's more about like, if you're going to plant strawberries, make sure you're not killing everything to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, which is super, I think it's a very, it's an old lens that's been known for millennia, but new for, I think our society. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So what's one thing chance that you're learning that you're really excited about? Oh, um, well, in my personal research, I'm working on uh, pretty much the, the benthic layer of the sea, which is just the bottom, um, uh, no matter really where it is. Um, but I'm currently working on microbes in fields um, in terms of like actual grasslands in the in the you know Midwest of the United States. And um, but I think it'd be really interesting, which is what I actually put in for one of my hopefully intern scholarships um, <laughs> would be uh, further researching. Um, I think it'd be really interesting to expand on. They, they know that there's microbes present in like the sediment in the, in like the bottom of the ocean. What we're figuring out on land is that like these microbes are like almost a form of communication for plants. Mm. Um, and at the same way of like, they're also able to protect and establish plants and what like there's entire companies wow that are dedicating instead of going into like fertilizers, just like pumping nitrogen into the ground, um, biofertilizers, which is putting microbes into the ground to actually pretty much reintroduce like a, a positive soil um, mm -hmm. instead of it being depleted because of the past centuries of like just monocrop farming over it. So I think it'd be really interesting to apply like a kind of similar lens. Obviously it's not gonna be the same, but just even research what's going on in the microbes, because I think it'd be really interesting to understand like if there's microbes in like you know, hard coral reefs or soft coral reefs, um, or if they're different in those ways, because I think it'd be really, in, we're starting to figure out that microbes are having a way larger impact on our ecosystems on, on land, but it'd be interesting because we're like not really paying attention to the ocean as much. And like, as we're not paying attention, you know, recently we're seeing so many news articles and stuff come out being like, we're losing our fisheries. We're losing our, yeah. just like species. Mm -hmm. We don't even fish. We're fishing down the food chain. We're limiting ourselves. It's really interesting to see. And like, we're seeing coral bleaching and everything. It'd be interesting to see what's like even below that. So yeah. I think it's really interesting to see like what we can like physically see with our eyes, but even like what we're realizing now in the, 
researching microbes is that they have a huge impact on like drought and everything. So it'd be interesting to study mm. that and see if there's a way to like wow. maybe possibly introduce ways to quickly recover coral reefs or because I mean, they're working on the coral itself, but maybe there's also something they could do below the surface to help yeah, um, or even help like establish. Cause I mean, obviously there's marine plants. So yeah. um, think like in the local Puget Sound where you guys are pretty close to, I mean, we have tons of things like that. And so it'd be really interesting to actually take samples and start sequencing and start trying to figure out, okay, what, what do we got below going on in the surface and where are they? Because the few papers that I have read, they say that they're next to um, things that are rooted in the actual sediment. And to me, that's a key of, okay, they are not just there just to be there. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a symbiotic relationship that we're probably looking at. And it's, okay, how are these symbiotic relationships being used? Um, and how are we not understanding them yet? I think that'd be really interesting. Wow. So if it gets funded, then that means we'll be able to figure out or <laughs> at least learn what's there, which would be really cool. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. That's exciting. So Chance, what are three things that you love right now? Oh, um, I love my friend group. Mm-hmm. They're really cool. I've got a pretty tight knit group now, and we. Uh, I guess the second thing would be climbing, and I guess mm. attached to that, the outdoors. Nice. I think it's a way of when you're really busy of school and high stress. It's it's a nice way to kind of get out of everything and just enjoy each other's company and have fun. Um. One last thing. Oh, I'm loving the idea of uh, further opportunities later on. I think that's oh, that's, that's something that that keeps going through the. The semester is understanding that there's there's a summer to come and mm. you know junior and senior year and um and I get to participate in like cool research and stuff when I when I have that so it's the opportunities that sometimes are hard to see when you're in the middle of mm. the muck. So true, isn't it? It's <laughs> we're stuck in the middle of doing what we're doing right now. Hard to kind of look up and see what's coming in the future. Yeah. It's exciting, though, to listen to you talk and, and to watch you going through this experience because it's, it, to me, it is hopeful, you know? Yeah. It gives me a lot of hope that we're moving in a great direction. And, you know, you've got a fan. I'm a fan. Yeah. I mean, just to add on to that really fast yeah. before you know, everything ends. Like today in class, we, we started our group projects um, for like a social science class pretty much, but all of us are um, ecology majors pretty much and um, like a specific social science for ecology. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, what was like really hopeful about it, which was like really cool was like we had like put up like ideas, like kids were just like putting ideas so other kids could like figure out what group you wanted to work with pretty much. Oh, yeah. And uh, the ideas were just like insane. Like mm-hmm. um, they were just like super, they were so diverse and like what they were. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting to see all these kids different lenses on like how they like looked at things, which is probably like the first time when I'm taking my classes to like actually experience how other kids are looking at these things and like taking in what we learn and like passions. So that was really interesting to see because it was like really cool to see like this is like literally a class of kids who are setting up their life to dedicate it to like sustainable practices and like restoring ecosystems. But we had everyone from like understanding watersheds to like indigenous cultures to like crazy, just different ideas that are just it, it was really interesting. It was like really like hopeful because it was like, oh, this class like really cares. Mm-hmm. And these people are here to make a difference, um, which is exciting because it was like the first time I think I also got to sit with like actually a class of like my my group, I guess, like my my degree. 
Um, yeah. That's really cool. It's really interesting to see how all the ESS kids are super similar, but extremely different in that same way. Yeah. So, mm. ah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Exciting. Very cool. Thank you for ending us on that hopeful note. It is engaging, motivating, inspiring to hear. Uplifting. Yeah. And to hear you talk about what you're learning. And that's just, just one school, right? One school mm-hmm. that is really focused on how do we make things better. Yeah. 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 Love that. I do too. It's very cool. So right. so best of luck, Chance, uh, for the rest of this semester. Thank you for all the help that you give us on the podcast. Yes. And your technical advice. We so appreciate it. We're really <laughs> grateful. We are totally grateful for that, you know. And and so yeah, are our fun. listeners, by the way. Yeah. And we love <laughs> we love you. We love you. Yes. Love you guys too. Love you, Chance. Wow. Hey, let's let's just add a little more love and talk about an article that HBR put out in 2014. And it's about love and work performance. Sounds appropriate, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay, I think so. Although I have to say that usually when you use love in the workplace, people (laughs) get a little nervous about it. Uh, It feels a little too squishy. But I think that, you know, when you've got something from the Harvard Business Review, you can really, you can really know that it's going to be something that is research, research backed. And so, yeah, this, this, group has actually done done their due diligence they've done their research on why love in the in the workplace not romantic love we're not talking about that we're talking about a term called companionate love Com- i think it's companionate companionate love yeah. yeah yeah which is based on warmth affection and connection but not passion like romantic love yeah. <laughs> That seems a little more comfortable to me already. Yeah, yeah. And I thought it was so interesting, too, as they make this differentiation about what this actually is. And it's about a leader building an emotional culture, Mm -hmm. which basically what they're saying is that we need to be okay with emotions in the workplace. And we know that can be feel a little bit uncomfortable and a little bit scary. Yeah, one of the one of the things they did, they um, did a longitudinal study on what's love got to do with it was what they called it, uh, the influence of a culture of compa- companionate love in a long term care setting. And so what they did was they went into long term care facility, and they surveyed um, 185 employees, 108 patients and 42 patient family members um, just to over over about almost a year and a half, basically, to ask them questions around um, feelings in the workplace, basically. And um, what they were doing was they explored the influence that emotional culture has on employees, the patients, and the, and the outcome. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I, I thought that was um, just amazing that they did that. And I, I have a story if I can share it real quickly. Yeah. Um, I actually worked in a hospital for years in uh, Maryland, and 
I was really very lucky to work in a hospital that had a world-class cancer institute. Now, can I ask you a question real quick? Yeah. So in our last episode, you were talking about a place where you went after you left the the government. Mm-hmm. You told a story about that and that that you had this courage and because it wasn't working out, you left. And then it was like a week later, mm-hmm. you were working in this place that you loved, loved, loved mm-hmm. for like seven years. Is this the same place? It's the same place. Oh, that's so awesome. So if our, if our listeners want to hear more about that story too, you can go and listen to, to the, our last episode. Um, Tricia shares that story mm. about hope. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah. So. Thanks for, thanks for remembering that it was the most amazing experience Um in terms of my career, in a sense, because I I was not even from healthcare, but being an organizational development person, I am practitioner. I went to work for this hospital. They had two of us, my boss and myself, <laughs> and um, it was wonderful. It was it was an amazing experience. But they, while I was there, they built a cancer institute, and mm-hmm. it was built by um, the ho- the hospital system I worked for, but two specifications that came from two really amazing surgeons, cancer surgeons. And they went through a real process where they they learned what patients wanted and needed to feel cared for. They talked to their families about the same thing. And they talked to the employees about what it takes to give that kind of care for people who may not be there very long, right? Yeah. And so these doctors decided to change up the whole scenario. They put a process in place so that the nurses and techs and coordinators and everybody who worked in the Cancer Institute went through training and coaching and counseling mm-hmm. to make sure that they felt loved in their mm-hmm. work and wow. that they felt cared for and their their feelings were most important, right? Mm-hmm. Were absolutely most important. And and they did the same thing with patients. They made it patient-centered. So patients went to a room and everybody came to them. You know, the phlebotomists or everybody went to them. The, you know, the x-ray machine would come to their room. Everybody would come to them. They didn't have to go from room to room to have all of their different tests done. And it made them feel a little less nervous. And family members had a place to stay while they were there so that they didn't have to worry about anything. So they Mm -hmm. took as much worry and fear out of the process so that um, patients would have better outcomes. And, and what happened in this whole scenario of, of love around the office was, um, or around the Cancer Institute, was that the people who worked at the Institute felt so comfortable and so confident and so engaged in their work because they knew they, they were cared for, that they cared better for their mm. patients yeah. and for the patient's families. Mm-hmm. And we had such a low death rate in our cancer mm. institute. We had a really high success rate. And we have to only attribute that. I mean, we always did. We said it was because of the love that was floating around there. Yeah. We had other departments that were centers of excellence too, but they didn't have that same that same culture. Yeah. And and it showed. Yeah. It really showed. And 
the patients didn't have that kind of satisfaction. So I really love that we're talking about this because it's something I'm very, very proud of. It's, it's awesome. And, you know, we just went to lunch not too long ago at a restaurant where they have the same kind of culture, right? Yeah, yeah. Love, love your employee and your, and your customers are going to love you, right? Right, yeah. The, you can feel it. It's like a different vibration. Yeah. Yeah. So th- thanks for sharing that story. And it's a wonderful outcome that, that you shared that people actually had, you had better outcomes for cancer patients. I mean, that's powerful. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. And in this study, they talk about employees who felt they worked in a loving, caring culture reported higher levels of satisfaction and teamwork. They showed up to work more often. And they also demonstrated that this type of culture related directly to client outcomes, just like you were talking about including improved patient mood, quality of life, satisfaction, and fewer trips to the ER. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's incredibly powerful. Yeah, it is. I think we hear about it all the time, that, especially if you're a patient or something, that yeah. you know, if you have positive, positivity around you, if, you have, if you're practicing mindfulness, if you're doing all these things that are positive in your life, that, that you're probably going to heal faster, mm-hmm. right? No matter what, what it is that you have. Yeah. And the same thing goes at, in a non-medical world, right? It, yeah. Same thing happens. So the interesting thing too is they repeated this study across industries, and they found similar results. Yeah. So they found out that people who work in a culture where they felt free to express affection, tenderness, caring, and compassion for one another were more satisfied with their jobs, committed to the organization, and accountable mm. for their performance. And I think that's the one where I think. Uh, we're always sort of looking for, right? And those are the kind of the hard numbers, performance, accountable for your performance. Well, there you go. More love. More love leads to more accountability for performance. You know, and it it's as simple in some cases when you think about in a work setting, um, just in a small group, perhaps a, a team where everybody does practice that, they have each other's backs. Yeah. You know, they they support each other when someone comes up with an idea they don't they don't try to posture for position they they actually support the the idea and probably cheer that person on those are those are some of the behaviors that can show that very love in the in the workplace they also feel compassion for one another when something's going wrong they pick up pick up the the mantle if they need to right if they'll They'll help with the work. They'll have somebody's back. They'll support them. They'll walk with them. Yeah. Those are things that um, they're not always tangible, but they're so important. Yeah. And you can feel it. It's palpable yeah. when it's really there, right? Yeah. It's pretty incredible. I think some of the things that, and they have to be authentic, but some of the things that I've seen in the workplace are things like sending flowers to somebody when they've had surgery or their family member had surgery or a death in the family, mm-hmm. I've seen things where it's not so authentic, like somebody who has never met someone, but they're higher in an organization sending a sympathy card when the person's um, parent or something passes away. So we have to be authentic about mm-hmm. this. 
to show the true caring, the depth of caring and that love that we're talking about. There has to be a true authentic relationship first. Yeah. You know, I, I do want to say something about that because that's a lesson for, for leaders at every level of any business or any, any organization, let's say that if you want to do something like that, if you want to you know, send flowers or send a note or something to someone, get to know them first yeah. and find out what they would want. You know, if you really know somebody, I know it's easier for me when I know somebody, I know what type of recognition, what type of, of um, compassion they want to receive. You just, you yeah. get to know someone, it's easier to tell. When you don't know someone and you just put out something that you would want if you got, if you, you know, if you had someone ill or, or pass away, you, it, it's not always the same because yeah. everybody's different, right? Yeah. You know, I do have to say something in this article that kind of stood out for me about some of the well-known organizations yeah. that, that are already leading the pack in mm-hmm. creating cultures of companionate love. And the there were three that... One of them I'm not really, really familiar with, but I know that the world is. Um, that's Zappos. They put caring in their values. That's a part of their values. PepsiCo lists caring as its first guiding principle on its website, which is really important, right? Yeah. That's That means something for somebody who's looking at maybe a potential candidate for a job, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Whole Foods Market. They have a set of management principles that begins with love. Yeah. I love that. I think, and like I said, I think it takes courage for organizations to do that mm-hmm. because people will push back and think, ah, it's just fluffy and do you really mean it? And of course they have to back it up with actual behaviors. But I I love that. I think it's taking a stand and saying this is important to us and that's where it starts. And it shows up. I'm, I don't know about PepsiCo and Zappos because I don't hang out in their um, in their work areas, but certainly I do go to Whole Foods and it shows in the quality yeah. and the engagement of the people who work there. I love when I go to the checkout stand at Whole Foods. They always ask me something about my day, but but they do it in a way that sounds like they care. And they'll always come back and follow up with something to respond to what you said, which is, who does that, right? Yeah. Not not on a surface level either. And they'll ask you questions like, "Have you? Did you know that the farmers market is coming out next weekend?" And, I mean, that kind of <laughs> yeah. stuff. It's, it's almost like you're a family member. Yeah. It's cool. Going the extra mile. Yeah. Going the extra mile. I love that. So they give us three things for leaders to help them build an emotional culture of companionate love. And the first one is to broaden your definition of culture. And I thought that was really interesting, Mm -hmm. and I sort of touched on this a minute ago, but an emotional culture is what they're talking about. That's the expansion of the definition of culture, and it can be based on love or other emotions, such as joy or pride. Yeah, the second one is to pay attention to the emotions that you're expressing to employees every day. Because your mood creates a cultural blueprint for the group. Yeah, I, and I think that's that's really important to be aware of that. That you, the way that you show up as a leader, mm-hmm. has a huge impact 
on other people, not only, you know, sort of walking the talk and the company values and what a leader is supposed to be, but your mood. And I know that can feel heavy sometimes for leaders. It's like, well, I always have to be happy. We don't always have to be happy, but you do have to be aware of showing up in a mood that is impacting other people. So if you are upset or angry or just anxious, it's important to kind of check that at the door to that's where that, you know, self-reflection, taking care of yourself. What do you need? You know, did you have a bad uh, commute in? Maybe you need to take five minutes for yourself to kind of center yourself, take a little walk around the parking lot or something so that when you come in, you are ready and emotionally available for your staff. But we know that that's not always something that you can do because sometimes things happen and and you may have had enough things pile on top that it's a little bit too much for you to, you know, to completely be present. But be honest about it, you know, if as long as you're open with the people that you know you're trying to build trust with and you're trying to you know be com- have companionate love or keep that culture of love going um every not everybody in a family is always in a good mood either right this is true and yeah. so it's really you know it's think of them as your family members in a way <laughs> and in a way being um be open and honest with them if you can about what's going on or at least enough that they know that you're going through something. Right. And then, um, but don't, don't do the family thing where you like yell at each other. That's really not important. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. But yeah, it's okay to say, Hey, I have, I had a rough morning, you know, um, what I got a flat tire or something. And so I'm, you know, I'm struggling a little bit and that's part of that having each other's back. Yes. Yeah being able to explain it. Yep. And then uh, third is to consider how your company policies and practices can foster greater affection, caring, compassion, and tenderness among workers. They give some examples here about taking a look at your vacation and policies around bereavement. And uh, the other one that we oftentimes hear about is where you can share leave. Mm -hmm. So that if somebody has run out of leave and maybe they they need to go in for surgery and they don't have enough to cover it or something like that, that they can actually, people can donate leave so the person continues to get a paycheck even though they're in some sort of crisis. And, you know, if anybody who's listening to this, if you don't know if your organization has something like that, check with your HR department because they may. You know, and often you don't hear a lot about that because I, it should be something that you hear about, but you may not have. It depends on the size of your company or, you know, um, how many employees you have or whatever. So uh, just check with HR and find out if that's a possibility. Um, that That's a great way to take care of one another. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then they go on to make the, the point that what's really important is to pay attention to the small moments, the everyday things and opportunities that you have to create this warm connection between people. Even just a warm smile or a kind note or a sympathetic ear can help generate and support this culture, this emotional culture. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it was really a good good article. So, Crystal, we asked Chance this question, so it's your turn. Okay. So, what three things are you in love with right now? Well, I have to say the first one is my husband. <laughs> Yay! All right. <laughs> That's good. He's listening. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, definitely... You know, we're in the empty nester phase and that's just been so much fun. So, and he's been so supportive this last year as I stepped out doing my own business full time. Mm -hmm. And so he's top of my list. And then of course my family, I love my family. Um, A couple things that I'm super jazzed about right now that I love. And thank you to you, Trisha. You gave me a membership uh, to Ridwell. And we're really hoping that we get to have them on the podcast. They are doing fantastic things. But who Ridwell is, and you guys can look them up, we'll put a link in the show notes, is they have come up with a solution for recycling things that your normal recycler does not take. And so every two weeks they come and they pick stuff up and it's like batteries and light bulbs and... um, clothing, like all kinds of cool stuff. And so that's really fun. And I feel so good about putting my little bag in, (laughs) in the container that they come and they, and the bag of course is a recyclable kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. so it's been really fun. So I thank you for that membership and I have a lot of fun. So that's on my top list right now. So the other thing that's kind of top of mind that I love right now, so many things that I love, but is a book that I'm reading Mm -hmm. called Braiding Sweetgrass, Indigenous Wisdom, Scientific Knowledge, and the Teaching of Plants. And it's by Robin Wall Kimmer. And this book is powerful. The writing is amazing. It's so poetic and descriptive, but it also, it's powerful knowledge. Mm -hmm. Uh, Both, I'm learning both about the indigenous wisdom, but also about the science and it's connected to sustainability. So it's, it's a, it's a beautiful read is what I would say. It's also a beautiful book. They actually, the cover is gorgeous and just, it's just the whole thing is wonderful. And Chance gave that to me Aww. for Christmas. So he's also reading it. So I'm loving the book itself, but I'm loving also the fact that we're both reading the same book and we can actually talk about it. So it's kind of like a an extra special experience. No kidding. Oh, that's lovely. That's wonderful. Yeah. Ugh. How about you, Trisha? What are three things right now on top of your mind that you love? Mm. Gosh. Only three, huh? No. I know. <laughs> I have, um, like, if we're talking about right now, right? Yeah. I am still totally, I know I bought it this last summer, my Lomi. I'm loving my yes, Lomi. I have been too. making dirt every other day. <laughs> I love it. So you got to tell so, them what a Lomi is. A Lomi is a kitchen countertop food composter. And it's electric. But you can turn all sorts of things, anything edible basically, into dirt. 
that you can put or, or into something that's reduced to the point where you could throw it away and it doesn't take up any space in, in a trash can. But I like to take mine and I process it until it turns into dirt and then I just throw it out in the garden and it's nutrients. It's just yeah. giving nutrients back to the soil. But I love this thing. And actually your son Chance told us about it yeah. when we were going to do our summer uh, challenge last yeah. year. And I just had to get it, and I knew it was it. It costs a little bit of money, mm-hmm. and um, so it was an investment. But I felt like it was an investment for the right things, since yeah. um, we're both really committed to, you know, doing things that are good for the earth. So. I love my Lomi. I'm really loving that I've gotten the rhythm with it. I, I totally blew it. Like the first two months I had it, I, I couldn't make dirt and I couldn't figure out how to make dirt. And finally I got, I got into the rhythm of the dance of it all. And, and now I'm making dirt, baby. I love it. Change, right? Yes. Yeah. It takes yes. a little bit of time to make that change. Yeah, it does. And confidence, you know, that yeah. you're, you're doing it right. <laughs> yeah. This little bit of water. Um, but I'm, Loving that. I'm also loving um, reading Brene Brown's um, mm. Dare to Lead book for the third time. Mm. Interesting. And yeah, I'm, I've read it twice before, and it seemed the second time I got more out of it than I did the first time. The first time I read it because you were doing, uh, for our little work group, we yeah. were doing a um, kind of a book club kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, read along kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was really good, but I... I'm finding that I'm learning again, Hmm. you know, just going through it this third time. It seems like every time I go through it, I I grab a little bit more or it starts to absorb differently or whatever. So I'm really loving reading that. It's a lot of fun. And let's see. Hmm. Loving my kitty. Love my kitty. He's he's my baby boy. He's going to be 11 Hmm. on May 1st. So, um, you know. I know you guys think that that may you may think that's a little weird, but he is my fur kid, and <laughs> um, I don't have kids. He's my fur kid, and yeah. um, I'm enjoying every moment of him. He's he's quite a character. So that's where I am right now, and I'm I'm also loving this journey with you. Mm, I have to say, I me too. This isn't just a what am I in love with right now, right? Right. I love this journey with you. I've known you for almost six years, and it's been a blast from day one to right now and I can't even imagine keep keeping this kind of work in play without you being a part of it you're just amazing thank you friend Mm, thank you yeah it has been a really fun journey and I'm so glad that the universe brought us together she knew what she was doing yes she did (laughs) yeah absolutely we're so lucky so that's hopeful, huh? That is hopeful. Yeah. Um, because we're on this uh, topic of love, we also just wanted to leave you with a couple of resources, too. And our first one is the Love and Work book from Marcus Buckingham. And mm-hmm. we've talked about this in a couple different episodes. But what a great tool for trying to figure out what is actually your passion? If you're trying to figure out what's my next move, this is a great place to start. And it spans both private 
businesses, also mission-driven organizations, and also just kind of your relationships and development and all kinds of stuff like that. But it's all about love and work. So we, we recommend that. And then the other resource is it's a self-assessment that you can take that's actually free. Uh, we'll link it in our show notes. It's called the VIA, and it's the uh, VIA Institute on Character. And they've done a bunch of research about what are what are the sort of character strengths that matter. And there's 24 of them. And because we're talking about love, of course, one of them is love. And it falls in their sort of larger bucket of humanity. And they describe it as warm and genuine values, close relationships. Mm. And so that's a really fun thing. And I've actually taken it before. And Trisha, this is new for Trisha, so Mm -hmm. she's going to take it. And we'll probably talk about it in an upcoming podcast about what our outcomes are. So maybe if you want to go in and take it yourself and get your report, then um, as listeners, you can kind of share your own experience. How was it to take that? And how was it to to look at an assessment that actually had love as one of the characters? Yeah. And you know, if you wanna if you want to share your story, you can go on our website. Yeah. And put your story in the website. We have um we have a contact page and put it put it in the con- or the message box and let us know what what you found. It'd be kind of interesting to it'd be really fun. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. So, so this was fun and, and a, you know, kind of a way to celebrate Valentine's Day since it's tomorrow. Yes. And we hope that everyone enjoys their Valentine's Day and sees it as a time to share love with people all around them. Mm-hmm. So it's not just for uh, the lovers, right? Mm-hmm. Valentine's Day is to share love with everyone. It's Valentine's Day. It's Galentine's Day. It's all sorts of day, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So let's keep that conversation going. If you have questions or comments about the show, you can find us on all our social media channels at lifting underscore leaders. There are so many exceptional podcasts coming up, more with fantastic guests. So be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you know someone who would find this episode inspiring, share it with them, text them, email them, or take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram and tag us at lifting underscore leaders. If you'd like to know more about us, our guests, or the show, please go to our website at liftingleaderspodcast.com. You'll find show notes there as well. And if you're looking for help in developing your leaders or would like a growth opportunity yourself through leader coaching, please contact us through our website at www.liftingleaderspodcast.com. Thank you to Ari Chance Roberts for spending time with us today and for being our amazing technical support of the show. Lastly, please subscribe to our podcast. It really is free. Crystal, this was fun. It was really fun. Happy Valentine's Day tomorrow. Yeah, happy Valentine's Day. And you know who else we love? Our listeners. Yes, we do. (laughs) We love you. So please keep coming back. And Trisha, thank you. And I love you too. I love you too, Crystal. (laughs) Find ways every day to lift each other up. Have a great week. Bye.